Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about rising from the ashes, part two, with the help of special guest John Murphy of Murphy Brothers Design Build in Blaine, Minnesota. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and this is the Tim Fowler Show. Keep those ideas coming in. We love to have your ideas about what to do for the podcast, and uh, we'll do our very best to get somebody on, or Steve and I will just sit around and talk about it and uh, give you back some feedback. So, I don't know how many times I've heard him say it. You've probably heard him say it, but Steve will say something like this to a guest. We'll have to have you back on and do a follow-up. Well, I'm paying a lot more attention to that and, and saying it myself as well, because I think there are some really great um, opportunities for some follow-up uh, with our guests. And so this is one of those occasions. So our, our guest and I have been talking a little bit about what's happened to him. And in fact, we're even cooking up an idea to have him back on like in March to talk about some other developments within the business that we think everybody would enjoy. So back in January of 2020, uh, we had John on uh, do, a, do a podcast with us and John's office and shop burned in a fire that was due to somebody not taking care of some rags and so forth in the cabinet shop. And so everything was burned and he went through how they were able to save various parts of it. And we talked about the impact on the business, what they were doing and so forth like that. So we talked about just having him back on, what's happening, how are things going? Is the office rebuilt yet? And then some other things that are a little bit tangential to it, but very, very related to what happened there. So um, let's go ahead and get started, Steve, and, and uh, just have some fun here. Yeah. So John Murphy is the founder and owner of Murphy Brothers Design, Build, Remodel in Blaine, Minnesota, a suburb of Minneapolis. The company was founded in 1983 and grew to 34 employees in 2007. And due to the Great Recession, uh, the company scaled back to 14 employees in 2009, but today the company has grown to 40 full-time employees, including admin, sales, project managers, carpenters, and painters. Welcome to the show, John. Welcome back to the show, John. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. So um, I gave a really quick and dirty rundown about what we talked about back in January, but let everybody tell everybody what happened with the fire and and I guess maybe a little bit about how it impacted the business. Well, just uh, not be too redundant, but on May 23rd, 2019, I got a call at four in the morning from my paint shop manager um, saying he was down at the building with a bunch of fire trucks and that I might want to get down there right away. So on, on getting there, um, finding our building, it was down to smoke by then, but uh, there was about 15 emergency vehicles there and the, the big boom truck with the, the from the, the fire truck spraying water over and there was uh, 
16 or 17 guys in fire suits in the back and with um, cutoff saws and axes, and they were looking for hot spots to put out. Um, what didn't look too bad from the street side looked pretty awful from the back of the building. <laughs> um, and at first, of course, your mind's racing. You don't prepare for that, right? So end of the day, uh, the building was total. There was water on every square inch of the building from the fire hoses. And uh, within a few days, everything was moldy and ugly, and it got ugly in a hurry. Um, <laughs> actually, the, the one bright spot was we saved a few things, some tools, some uh, some things. Most everything was smoke had smoke on it, needed to be wiped down at a bare minimum. But um, we did get some paper files that were squirreled away in the far corner of the building, and then we actually salvaged the hard drives from our server, which uh, had got hot enough to melt the keyboard that was sitting on top of it. But somehow we were able to pull the hard drives and get those to. Um, we rebuilt one and then by the within 24 hours we actually were back up and running online so that worked out and we did have an off-site backup but that would have taken at least a week to get that hard drive reformatted and sent to us so that was the good um, side of it but from that we had to set up and learn to uh, work remote right away and um, in that chaos um, I made the decision to rebuild and make the building work better for us in the future. So, um, you know, all this happens long before everybody even heard about a COVID thing. And so you were actually working remotely. And then I, I just made a, a jotted down where you, like 40 employees, where, where are they all working if they don't have an office even before COVID? How, how did that all, you know, get going for you? Right. Well, that was a forced decision for sure. And uh, maybe one good thing is being in construction, our painters and carpenters primarily go from their homes to job sites anyway. So right. honestly, their routine didn't change a lot. It was more production managers, our sales design team and our admin staff who are used to walking across the hall or, or down there, maybe uh, into the back shop and handing out paperwork or, you know, everybody had a central place to collect and, and then interacting on a face-to-face -face basis too. And that, of course, all change immediately. Um, so, um, and the, the other thing with our clients, right? Because they, uh, you're thinking, I was worried, how do we not make this impact our clients? And overwhelmingly, the clients were understanding and, and accommodating. And uh, it really, it, I don't think it affected too many of them in a big way. There might have been some minor inconveniences and lapse of communication, but they were understanding and uh, that, that was not one of the major issues. Um, what we did need to feel our way through though was for our new processes regarding uh, meeting with clients, our accounting routines, um, on meeting uh, locations. I mean, we did have to still have some meetings. Uh, fortunately, some of our vendors and our local chamber of commerce stepped up and provided meeting rooms. But right. there was always a question on Tuesday mornings when we have our sales meeting, where are we going again? Is it the chamber <laughs> or are we, do we have a special field trip somewhere or once in a while, some of people got ended up in the wrong place and you'd get the call. Where are so, you? So oh, my vote would have been that coffee shop that we stopped at to get coffee from uh, uh, Caribou Coffee, is it? That, there you go. That's, that's yep. my vote for where the meeting ought to be. I don't know if you can get nine raucous uh, salespeople to every impassioned meeting in a Caribou, though. Might, yeah, I guess you might going. have to be a little <laughs> bit careful about that. So how's the, how's the business been going for you? Uh, I mean, you, you, it feels like maybe 
there was a little bit of a skip in the beat, but really didn't miss a lot of beats as, as this has been going on? Yeah, I think overall, I mean, I, we didn't really slow down a lot. I mean, I, it's hard to say if we lost clients because of the fire, maybe who we were in development with, and if they got scared thinking, are we going to make it or what's going to happen? Right. Um, but I, I, it wasn't enough from a volume-wise that we could really perceive it in any great way. So um, I would say, um, again, looking back, I, it, it threw us in the fire itself, literally the business, but in terms of how it impacted our actual business in terms of revenue and client satisfaction, I don't feel like we got, wasn't a severe disruption. And part of that was quick thinking on our feet and our team and right. everybody's willing to adjust on the fly. So along with the COVID course, we're going, everything's virtual for most everybody nowadays, but what kind of changes do you think have occurred for your business because of that? And then you add COVID on top. What are, I've got it written down here as significant changes, but what are some things that have really changed that maybe are different than what people are typically going through now with COVID? Anything, anything like that? Right. Um, well, the, uh, you know, obviously not having a physical location, even though a lot of people in COVID do, they're not going there or not as frequently, but, uh, you know, using that opportunity to learn how to work remote where we didn't even have the option of going in to meet at right. the office quickly. Um, that was a big, big thing. So getting all of our computer systems and software so everybody could work remote. Um, which we had some capability, but we had to fine tune that. And my, all my admin staff did not have remote capability. Um, part of that meant uh, was probably due to my lack of ability to totally let go and not keep my <laughs> staff where I could see them. Right, but um, right, right. But I had to learn to. I had to trust that uh, things would go on, even though um, I couldn't stop in and see what they were doing. Right, I just had to trust their jobs were getting yeah. done. Um, but then it, it helped us. We had to tweak our online processes too. just even things that you didn't think about, like uh, getting copies made and, and getting job folders made and all that. You know, it was seemed uh, that got a little more difficult. We had to buy some more office machines so we could have things in people's homes to make that work. Um, we're already pretty good at online uh, conferencing. We already have been doing that at some level. So okay. Zoom wasn't, wasn't a new thing for us when COVID hit. Um, right. But it, it got a lot more utilization and we actually created a whole uh, marketing and sales presentation geared around it and a, um, a, a slideshow that uh, did our, what we normally do in person was done so that it was very formal still and communicated what we needed to communicate to clients. And then, um, Let's see, online, trying to think, oh, uh, client convenience, that was the other thing with COVID I was going to mention is that, you know, we didn't do too much online meetings, occasional design meeting, but now um, we've done quite a bit more where we'll actually, you know, share a screen and use our chief architect to yep. go over plans and 3D views and that's become more regular part of what we're doing. And probably the one thing that we did that so. Uh, um, it seemed like a lot of confusion early when COVID hit and people were uncertain about what was happening now. We just went through a fire and now we got another shakeup. And uh, a couple of weeks into uh, COVID, my marketing manager, Tom Myrick and myself decided, how can we get everybody on the same page? And we started a, a 
at first it was weekly for a couple of weeks, and then we settled on a biweekly um, com- all company conference call. Oh, okay. So, so we had everybody in the everybody in the company is uh, schedules the dial in at three o'clock every Monday every other Monday afternoon, and uh, Tom and I we did a back and forth a little bit of a Q&A, and we decided that was a good format too. But we'd address things like, well, it was COVID update. What do we need to know about COVID now? Um, what's happening with the building? Um, what's happening um, with um, just sales? Kind of, is there work coming in? Give, give our staff some comfort that we're going to stay in business. We had work for them. <laughs> we're going to lay them off. So, yeah. I mean, that's something after, you know, we've been doing that now about, what, four or five months? And, um, we searched a few weeks ago, I searched for some feedback from amongst our staff and there was kind of overwhelming um, endorsement of let's keep that going because, uh, you know, I had 40 staff, you know, most of the staff I don't even see in a week, our carpenters and our painters, and just to hear something from the source for them where they can just dial in. Um, we try to keep a call to about 10 minutes, not more than 15. Wow. And, uh, and everybody gets a, it's like a really quick on the fly meeting. Um, you can video conference in, but almost everybody just dials in on their phone and listens. Um, wow. We don't, so we don't purpose. We purposely don't leave time for a Q and A because we don't want it to last a half hour. Um, to say. <laughs> yeah, so well, we with, 40, with forty people, Q and A might not be a half an hour. It might be <laughs> quite quite a bit longer. Right, right. But that was uh, that was uh, something we didn't see coming that we stumbled on and that we thought is a big win moving forward. Are you worried about the future of your business? Are you stuck and unsure about what step to take next? Do you have any doubts about your ability to lead through this crisis? Whether it's business, finance, or production, we have the experienced professional coaches standing by to help you and your team battle through these uncertain times. To learn more about our coaching program and to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with our head coach, Doug Howard, visit remodelercoach.com today. Now back to the show. So, uh, John, I've when you, uh, I know that the fire was pretty much a drastic stop to the way you had been doing things. It was a tragic situation. Did you feel any kind of similarities or like it was happening again when, when COVID hit? Were there similar feelings you had when, when there's everybody just kind of stopped what was going on? Uh, a little bit. I would say this over the last year. I mean, by the time we got sorted out what we had to deal with, and then I, I had to interview and pick out a general contractor to build the shell of our building, and then designing the building and kind of being intimate in that whole process, probably more than most owners, because I had a vision for what I wanted to see. And I would say by the time we got to where COVID hit, honestly, I was, I've just been to a point where I've been so I've been, I would say, somewhat exhausted from just the pace of everything. Yeah. COVID was kind of like, just like, oh, Jan, really? Just one more thing? <laughs> so I would, you're you know. A bit, you're a bit calloused. Yes, I was a bit callous for sure. And then I, I don't know if Tom or if, uh, if Tim had told you, I had shared with him that we were in Florida in March and my, my wife and my son and his family we all contracted COVID in 
on our trip back. So, and I, I would say this, fortunately, we didn't get it really bad. We were all definitely sick for two weeks and, you know, and at first we're thinking, well, maybe it really is a flu or a bug or something thing. But at once we went through the symptoms and, and of course we weren't sick enough to go to the hospital. So couldn't get a test. And, and, uh, a, um, in May, we were able to get an antibody test. Well, my son was positive. Both my wife and I were negative, but then the doctors are like, don't worry, these tests aren't that accurate. <laughs> um, because they, because they're, now they're saying there's maybe a large, if you look at the T cell thing, is there's a large percentage of people maybe have T cells. So they have an immune system that can fight the COVID without getting an antibody response. So it just keeps making this more confusing. And then, <laughs> Even add to the the interesting part is my daughter and her husband and their five kids all got sick right at Christmas time, and of course there I mean I know there's a lot of stuff about people getting a peculiar flu this year, but um, they had you know my the, the kids their their kids are from two to eleven, all their kids were sick with flu like symptoms for about two weeks all at the same time they needed bark bags they were nauseated they lost weight. Um, and then I read something last week that those are the main symptoms for kids under, under 18 is those mm. symptoms. Well, they had a lady from their church who had gone to China near Wuhan and taught uh, English in November, end of November, and came back. And within a few weeks, a wave of sickness went through. A lot of people in their church got sick, right? And then yeah. they were in that. So. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, if I was so, a betting man. <laughs> so just yawn. Okay. This is life. Right, All right. right. So let's look at, let's talk a little bit about you being a client. Okay. So you're, you're rebuilding your building. We talked in January about how you were going to have another general contractor basically build the shell is what I remember. And, and so I'm just wondering what's, what's that experience been like as the client to, another general contractor what how's that gone right well it was uh, interesting in, in shopping for a contractor i i had uh, two guys who i knew in the business um and i got a referral of a third of generals just to interview i gave them real basic uh, plans and said let's can you just work through a budget for me tell me where you think it's going to go and i'll interview you like uh, you know decide who i'm going to work with and actually it's a lot like how i we sell our design build process. You know, I'm not asking for them to, you know, just go overboard on developing a lot of information that I can use to shop between each other. Um, I said, let's give you guys a fair, ch everybody a fair chance. The co contractor I ended up picking actually had um, his own, all his own masons and carpenters and cement finishers all on his own staff. They weren't uh, subbed out, and the other two had them subbed out. And it actually gave him a price competitiveness, but it also, um, um, I felt like I was working with somebody I identify with a little more. Okay. So, so I would say actually, uh, overall, this experience has been good. I mean, I've got a project manager, but I still feel like I'm directing one of our project managers. I mean, we <laughs> talked about what he needs to do, and then I let him go do it, right? And, um, so anything... Is, has anything about the experience changed the way you view what you do with your clients? Um, you know, I, we're thinking about that and what we change. And I, and I would say that some of the same things we feel that we have shortcomings with, with our clients are some of the things I've experienced there too. Um, you know, just, you, you always think, well, oh, I wish I got a little more communication, 
but I'm used to working with some trade contractors where a lot of them aren't that good at it, right? If you want to answer, yeah. you call them. So probably a little more of that, but you know, from my perspective, I'm probably kind of easy client for them because I don't have very high expectations in that level. So right, right. So do you think do you think you're looking at like doing something to increase the communication with your clients? I mean, you're remodeling clients yes. as a result of this. Right. So that's been a big part of our, I mean, that's been a topic for what now, well, almost 30 years. <laughs> We're still trying to, how can we get better at, right? What can we right. improve? But um, uh, Tom Myrick, my marketing manager, he's, he's, I kind of tasked him with, he's a communication specialist anyway. So between he and I, and with a lot of his recommendations, we're able to, we've been doing a lot of things that have improved that. Honestly, it took about two years before it really caught on, but I think uh, guild quality and getting surveys where they can comment on everybody is keeping our, all of our staff who interact with the clients a little more on their toes of like, does this reflect good on the company and me personally? So um, that's, that's one small thing, but yeah, you, it's like, you can't have too much communication except with a few people. Some of them say, why are you calling me so much? But, but so you've most people want more. I think, I think a couple of weeks back when we talked about the podcast, you had mentioned something about the selections process and that one of the things you found challenging that maybe the clients also, your clients also found challenging was just staying ahead of, getting all the selections made. Would you, would you make a comment about that? Yeah. Well, the, you know, on the, out, the outside of the building was all that they're doing. And now that we've taken over the build out and the, the trans the transition of the building process is almost complete. There's a few things he's got left to do, but I had to make decisions on building color, roof types, HVAC units, um, uh, window trim colors. I mean, there's still a fair amount there, but I was says pretty good at rifling through them because I know <laughs> how frustrating it is. I don't want that as an excuse as to why things were behind schedule. Um, and the outside ones were relatively easy. Honestly, we're, we're still the inside. I mean, making selections for myself so that I can order them is just as hard. So yeah. I tasked, I've tasked one of my assistants to, she's like on me all the time. What do we need? What's not ordered? And then she's got a, you know, some design ability. So she's uh, like, I said, let's, let's bring out the, you know, reduce the palette from all the colors to, you know, four or five colors. Right. And then right. let's sit down and figure out what we're going to do. But that's uh, that's like a daily thing. And I forget how mind numbing it can be to try and pick colors out and make everything coordinate and samples. And so we just, we spend like 10, 15 minutes on it every day. And then we say, walk away. You know, we don't need this anymore right now. We are, you know, your brain just, next morning you look at it and you feel like you're empowered to move a little further or finalize a couple more things, so. Yeah, I remember, I mean, I've told this story before to a lot of different places, but my wife and I finished our basement bathroom. It's a, we're creating a, an aging in place bathroom or, or apartment for us. And so it's all accessible. And we picked out, we had to pick out a granite countertop for a, like a 40 inch vanity and we went over and that was the hardest thing I've ever done in terms of picking stuff out. I never realized how hard it is to pick <laughs> granite and I've been frustrated with clients over the years, like just pick something. Right. And now I have to go do it. And I'm going like, man, this is tough. We finally found something that we liked and you know, all that kind of stuff. But it, but I found out through that process that it's hard 
to, to pick some of these things. Uh, and we get frustrated with other people that don't have to deal with it all the time. So one of the things that, uh, again, we talked about a little bit, and I just wanted to kind of bring it up again, um, was the finishing shop. I and mean, this is where the fire started. Um, obviously, when the shop is down, you don't have a finishing shop. You don't have a cabinet shop. And it's a big part of what you pride yourself in as a company for, you know, custom cabinetry work. What did you do about making sure that you could still provide that service to your clients? Well, for a couple of weeks, we, you know, pulled our hair out. Basically, it was hard <laughs> to think, you know, what are we going to do? I couldn't, yeah. uh, I couldn't come up with a good solution. I mean, we, we, we're all the existing paint booths around within 15 miles of us is already not being utilized or, or being utilized. And then my lumber salesman, about a week after the fire, he reminded me, he said, John, you know, we've got that paint booth down at our offices that we haven't used in about four years. And it's sitting in about 8,000 square feet of space that isn't being used very effectively. We consider working something out with you. So um, within two weeks after the fire, we had our paint shop up and running down at our lumber vendor down in Minneapolis. So I think maybe that was somebody looking out for us because I didn't, that worked out actually really well. And then what's moved on since then is we decided we're not moving the paint shop back into our building here. Part of the reason was it was crowded already. I mean, we were, we were already operating over capacity. Um, and the space down there was about twice the space that we had up here. And uh, the general manager down there, he's thinking like, you know, there's, there doesn't have to be an end to this. We can keep this going indefinitely. And then beyond that, uh, recently we be, they've become one of our regular clients as they are bringing windows and trim and stuff. And instead of packing it up and bringing it to their finishing shop uh, sub that they use 20 miles away, they put it on a forklift and drive it across the hall. So a um, win for them and a win for us in terms of logistics of handling materials and supply. Yeah, I think, right. I so think this was... Right now, um, we're going to keep a presence down there. Yeah, I think this was one of the big points that you made back in January was that by, you know, that, that basically the fire caused you to rely on other people in your community in a way that created really good teamwork that maybe wouldn't have happened before. And I think that's a, a big lesson. I think the, the, one of the main points you made in that previous podcast was, you know, be engaged in the community so that when things like this happen, you have those resources and then those resources strengthen your engagement in the community. Yeah, strengthens your engagement and your faith and trust in kind of the, your, the greater community too, that there are people who care and that'll step alongside you and help you through a rough patch and give you empathy for others going through a rough patch in the same way. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so I know there's one more transition taking place coming up. And I already said in the intro that we're going to follow up maybe in March on this, but just tell us a little bit about what else is happening with Murphy Brothers. Well, this has been an uh, announcement got made a couple weeks ago. And uh, my oldest son, who has been, I think, groomed for this position for his whole career, he's got 15 years after college in being a CPA and a CFO an operations manager at different companies and some larger companies like Target. He was in finance there for a while. 
Um, but we made a decision, he and I, that he's going to come on board and become our operations manager. And uh, I think I've got a son-in-law that works in our, as a sales designer right now, and he does a great job. Um, but my son, Ben, he's going to uh, kind of bring some more formality to our company and uh, his expertise in software, finance, accounting, taxes. I'm just going to give it all to him. And, uh, <laughs> right? and I can start focusing on stuff I enjoy doing more than that. I was just going to ask, so where is the retirement home? <laughs> well, we already live there. It's right oh, behind me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if, I, if we go on the other side of that, uh, there's a nice lake there, so we are. Oh, okay. So, okay. so we kind of live at we live at the cabin right now. Yeah. So we're looking for. So this is great. Yeah. I just I'm glad we had a little chance to catch up. You know, I did not know that you had quite so much going on back in December, January, February, and then of course COVID hits, and there's all that going on. But you've uh, you've survived. You took advantage, not not in a bad way, but you took advantage of the community to help you uh, make it through and uh, certainly giving back a lot to the community. And so I think it's a great example of uh, keeping a chin up <laughs> and uh, not letting a lot of stuff kind of drag you down. Thanks, Tim. I think uh, if there's a one thing I still would like bring up for people to pay attention to business owners specifically is uh, take the time to really know what's in your insurance policy and really think through your coverages and talk that through with your agent or your representative to make sure that it's adequate and realistic. And uh, then always be open to reinvent yourself and your company on a dime because you never know when you're going to get the opportunity. Yeah, because it'll never happen to us, right? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we sure hope not. Thank you well, so much, John, for you know taking the time to do the follow-up with us. And I do have it in my notes to get back with you uh, in the spring and just see how Ben's doing. And we'll do a little, a little thing on you know not only the sun coming in, but maybe his experience in other business as it impacts a remodeling right, business. Right. Yeah, I'd be, I'll be interested to listen to that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very this much. Great stuff. All Thanks. Right. Take care, John. Right. Take care, guys. See ya. Tim, I, I continue to be impressed by John, his attitude, and, and just the entire story. And, I mean, if anybody needs a break <laughs> from, <laughs> from all of this, it's – You know, mean, it sounds, I mean it laugh, sounds like – wow. What it sounds like he's got a really good staff. And I think he, one of the things he mentioned today that um, yeah, I think probably mentioned back in the previous one was just the way people pulled together and figured things out. Yeah. You yep. know, and it, it sounds like his marketing guy is sort of his right hand man sounding board. And that's something that everybody needs, you know, every business owner, I don't care if you're doing 10 million or 1 million, you need somebody to bounce stuff off of. And, and, you know, maybe cry on their shoulder a little bit figuratively, of course, because none of us guys would ever do that. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, that, that kind of thing is huge in terms of getting through some of these things. Because if you don't have that, absolutely, you know, sometimes you just give up and say, you know, it's not worth the, the effort to make this happen. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, go ahead. You're but say. I was intrigued about the, the, the call in every two weeks, you know, yeah. the idea of 40 people 
calling in for a 10 minute update about what's going on. You know, it couldn't be too in depth, but just the idea that they like to hear from the boss about the stability of what's going on. I think that's what it represents, stability to those 40 people. And then, yeah. you know, they go about their business because they're all separated. I mean, there's no office to go to. Yeah, you know, we're all experiencing good. it. Yeah, there's got to be some good. sort of tether to the company, to the leadership. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I continue to be impressed. And I think he brings up a great point is that we all kind of coast and get consumed in our day-to-day yeah. and our troubles, our yeah. worries and all that stuff. But, you know, when you're worrying about paying a bill, it in comparison to <laughs> a fire or, you know, it's not a big deal. So perspective yeah. plays a part. And, Huge. you know, and, and, and be in a place where you can reinvent, you know, yeah. or just, just, entertain that thought but anyway that was he's he's impressive that company is impressive so i'll be uh eager to talk to him again uh so once again we we do want to thank john murphy for joining us today and we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of the tim fowler show and remember at the tim fowler show we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary this has been another episode of the tim fowler show Want to hire Tim and fast-track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.